You found the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and grateful to have with us a young lady by the name of Donna Oser. She is the president and CEO of the Michigan Society of Association Executives. And Donna, we're so grateful to connect with you. Your schedule is not an easy one to connect to, but glad to have you. Welcome. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you, Vic. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And I think I should congratulate you on your success. I understand that you have quite a listenership. Uh, so I'll try not to pull your ratings. Oh, today. no, no, no. You're going to double it. I guarantee it. I'm just so glad. You know, I, and, and honestly, I'm just fascinated, and I couldn't be more sincere. I'm just fascinated with, with your programming in terms of what you guys do. Because when I think of that, I just want to suggest that you work with all kinds of organizations and associations around the state, uh, nonprofits doing a whole whole variety of things. doesn't really matter what they do. They're just doing good in their own slice of the world. So tell me a little bit about your organization and kind of what that's all about. Right. I hope to have the time in a little bit to talk with you a little bit more about some of the work that associations have done, especially in the last 18 months, right, where the world has been upside down. Yeah. But most folks think of MSAE as sort of the association of associations, which is true. But really, we do that work by focusing on supporting the individual leaders in associations and supporting them on their leadership journey. Mm. So you're right in that it has been certainly a very busy job, but just a terrifically meaningful job as well. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think what's interesting to me is the is the broad spectrum of uh, of people and organizations that you serve. And that in there there's got to be as you think about the role of Michigan Society of Association Executives, there, there's some common threads inside of all those organizations, even though they each have different funding mechanisms and they each have different uh, objectives, um, some of those common threads are, um, uh, are broad and, and, uh, and uh, have duplicate uh, type things that go on inside. Would you agree with that? Right. So you think about, you know, sort of a joke in associations. Often when you work for an association, people who, who aren't very familiar with them will just think that you work for the state because, Michigan is in the title often. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> right? So you have to explain to them that, no, I, you know, I actually work for an organization that serves a very specific constituency. And yeah. to your point, those constituencies are terrifically diverse. But the, the very powerful thing about it is that associations are formed based upon a common purpose. So mm-hmm. you're really serving a group of individuals or organizations that has come together because they are um, very passionate or very concerned about a specific issue. Now, that could be something like an advocacy issue, or it could be about regulations in a given industry. So it is a huge spectrum, but some there are definitely some um, common disciplines yeah. in association management that we work with those folks on so that they can be very effective servants of their constituencies. Well, and that's interesting because, you know, we live in such a divided world right now, and I, and I think about some of the work you're doing there. In, the, in a similar meeting of your organization, you could have associations that are on the exact opposite end of a political spectrum and still be in the same room. Isn't that true? That's precisely true. So yeah. one of the things that we do in our, you know, we do an electronic newsletter every Thursday, and in that newsletter, we feature associations that are in the news, kind of what they're doing. And sometimes I'll have people, because we have a great readership on that, and um, it goes to several thousand people. And sometimes people will email me and say, you had two stories that were on you know, exact opposites of the spectrum. And I have to sort of chuckle and say, that's right, because 
Every association has a story to tell and a platform that they're working towards. MSAE's objective is to serve all of them. And so we're agnostic, right, when it comes to their individual issues. Right, right. And I think that's what's really interesting to me in this in these times, because, um, you know, especially that's you as the as the uh, president and CEO, um, you've got to be careful. You don't get drug into somebody's uh, uh, battle there. And it's not in. (laughs) I just find I got to tell you, Donna. In today's world, I find how quickly people are offended. Um, it's almost like they come through the door looking to be offended, and I'm like, "Wow, can't we just all take a breath and try to seek first to understand each other before we wish to be understood?" And that that really is sounds like a lot of the work that you guys do uh, in your association. Now, your president and CEO. So, does that mean um, you're uh, president of the board as well? Uh, because there's a volunteer board that that uh, that you report to, isn't that correct? Right. So we have a board of 12 association executives and professionals um, that really determine the vision and the direction of the association. So um, I am president of the association, but I am not chairman of the board. Oh, okay. So there's some distinction there. One of those volunteers always serves mm-hmm. as chairman of the board. It happens to be Jared Burkhart. Ah. Right now, of the Big Eye Michigan, Jared does a great job. It's yeah. been a, a real pleasure to work with him over the last year. And he's been on our board um, for many years. So he has certainly helped lead the organization through quite a bit of change in, in the last five years or so. Right, right. And, of course, board members. We probably should talk at some point in time about about surfacing board members, which is something that's important to associations that you serve, is how do you get good board members on there? And good board member is defined as, uh, as knowing their lane that they need to be in uh, because uh, management and uh, po- uh, policy from the board are two different things, and they need to know how to stay put where they're supposed to be. So, you know, Donna, you, you I, I, know, let me, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, Vic, I was do. just going to jump in and say, you know, I think that that what you just described as sort of the, the definition of a quote, good board member, you know, that that's probably a mindset that has been around for, I don't know, let's say 50 years yeah. um, in many, in many, not, not just in association boards, but also in things like local municipality boards and school boards. And obviously I've done a lot of work in governance in my career, but I will say this, the hallmark of an exceptional board is actually a board that's focused on strategy. It's it's not so much about the lane as it is about the big picture and them being focused on driving the organization forward. Well, Donna, this is precisely why I'm glad you're here today. I'm running out of time on our first opening segment, but I have to tell you, I'm so excited to continue that in our next segment. We're so glad you're with us today, Donna, and I'm so glad that you tuned into the Michigan Business Network here on the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Michigan, 
you found the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. My guest today is Donna Oser, and she is the uh, president and CEO of Michigan Society of Association Executives. And Donna, I'm so glad to have you with us. And in the last segment, you said something because we were talking about kind of, uh, I, I said, use the word stay in your lanes. Um, and part of what you talked about is uh, is what makes a good board member. Can you, let's, we've got a little time now, so let's see if we can stretch that out um, to, to get your thoughts on on what makes effective. Uh, I, when I use the word good, I, uh, it's probably the wrong terminology um, because good doesn't mean you're happy-go-lucky and smiling and telling everybody, but you're bringing good thought processes and giving uh, sound uh, judgment and, and guidance to the organization. So tell me about, in your mind, what makes an effective board member? So realizing that each board is comprised of any number of individuals, right? So a given board of directors could be five individuals or it could be 27 individuals, right? It's very much dependent upon the organization's governing documents. Mm. So the, the first tenant that folks need to realize when they're invited to participate and be a part of a board of directors is that they're really going to give up that kind of individual identity that um, they need to be able to surrender to actually the sort of board holism. Now, that sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? But Mm. um, it doesn't mean that they won't be able to share their perspectives and their concerns and, um, you know, vision and passion for the organization that they're being invited to lead. If anything, that's critically important. But it does mean that, um, you know, sometimes we have to, uh, as you said earlier, really um, listen to understand before we ourselves seek to be understood. So we have to make sure that we have the whole picture. And then ultimately, when the board makes a decision, we as individuals have to be prepared to support that decision, even if we may have been on the minority side of the vote, depending on the issue. So um, I would shift back and just say the, the the most important activity of a board of directors is really focusing on what the organization is going to accomplish mm-hmm. and really then being able to support leadership and staff as they figure out how to accomplish that, right? Yeah. So the board is on the what side and the staff is on the how side of that equation. Oh, I love that. What and how. I, you know, I think that's so good, such good stuff. And, and I want to go back a little bit on what you had just shared earlier. We have a word that we used uh, for a number of years called organizational discipline. And I think what's really important to remember about those types of situations is that there may come time when you're on the, on the downside or the losing side, if you will, of a vote or a direction that the organization decided to go in. And one of the most damaging things that can happen to any volunteer organization or organizations, period, is when your leadership comes out divided. And if you go away from a board meeting where a key decision's been made and you come in uh, to the people in your sphere and start giving a minority report on how you disagree with those guys um, and realize that that makes you look silly and it also damages the organization that you're a part of and helping to try to lift and lead. So I love what you did there because because we don't always get our way um, and the idea is is that we we should get our say and we should be have our chance to do that and then you know and Donna I have to tell you I've been on some other boards uh, I, after um, uh, some different votes that were taken 
I just looked around the room and said, you know what? I am truly a minority in this organization in terms of somebody that's being uh, that that's thinking this way. Um, I don't think I should continue. And so I, I made some decisions about my future with the organization based on on whether or not we were going in the right direction. So I just love how you how you uh, you talked about that um, in terms of, uh, of of getting it right overall, especially after the vote. And tell me about the about the uh, the 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 what and who. Uh, um, give me those those one more time in terms of how you lay out the direction there. Sure. So board of directors, you know, board leadership is going to determine what it is that the organization, you know, what the purpose is. What is it that the organization needs to accomplish, right? You think about the strategic plan or whatever that sort of guiding document is that the organization uses. And it's really the staff side um, that's going to focus on how, how that's going to be accomplished. As the organization moves forward in implementing that plan, certainly the board has a key role to play in monitoring progress. Um, we've all learned a lot about flexibility <laughs> in, the, in the last 18 months. Well, think about it. You know, there were a lot of plans that weren't necessarily feasible yeah. um, during the during the crisis, and so it's even more important that a that a board and staff team be able to work together. Um, to, you know, I'm going to use a word that's probably overused, but really to be nimble, right, and resilient mm-hmm. yep. in responding to changes in the, that external environment. Let, let me. I, I do want to sort of point out one advantage. I think. So, you know, in my case, in, in MSAE's case, our board is comprised of association professionals. And so they have an excellent understanding of governance and really have, have life experience with what effective governance looks like. So, honestly, we have a robust onboarding process that we go through when new board members come on to make sure they understand where the organization is, what our bylaws are how we're going to operate. And so we, because that foundation is laid, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on some of those lane issues that you mentioned earlier, but in other organizations like local nonprofits or even local, um, you know, it could be a school board, could be a township board, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a saying and it goes like this. When you have a new board member, you have a new board. Mm. (laughs) When you have a new board member, you have a new board. And so, realizing that one person joining this group brings a completely different dynamic. So it's really important that we take the time and um, make sure that they understand the norms of the group and and what the expectations are. Um, And then that the group be, you know, kind of eager and receptive to the value added that they bring to the equation. So it's a little bit of a dynamic, but you know, one of my mentors told me long ago, um, while there certainly can be challenges with board governance, there is no more effective model out there. Mm, wow. Well, Donna, man, I, uh, we're, we're getting a boatload of great in- information, great tips from you. We're so glad you were with us here on the Leadership Lowdown. It's Donna Oser. She's with us from the uh, Michigan Society of Association Executives. We're glad to have her wisdom and insight. And we're going to come right back after these messages here on the Michigan Business Network.
perfectly managed meetings, carefully planned conferences, and beautiful beginnings. That's what you'll find at Treetops Resort. We have an ideal location just minutes from I-75 and over 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space. No matter what you're planning, let our spectacular views, spacious lodging, and outstanding customer service show you why Treetops is Michigan's most spectacular resort. Get a no-hassle quote for your next meeting at treetops.com or call at 888-TREETOPS. You found the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I am privileged, and I do mean that, to have with us Donna Oser. She's the president and CEO of Michigan Society of Association Executives. And Donna, um, man, the first two segments were worth the price of admission. And I have to tell you, as I think about some of the things that you do, I can't be more sincere when I think about the general way that you lift all boats when it comes to associations and organizations around the state. And they've had a bit of a challenge the last several months with all the things that have gone on in the headlines and different challenges, everything from funding to involvement to activities and volunteers and keeping it all going. Tell us, uh, have, have you guys, uh, have you survived all that? And have you seen some examples of some pretty cool things that have happened in the last few months? Absolutely. I mean, the real magic of the Michigan Society of Association Executives is our membership. You know, everyone knows the pandemic really turned business and industry upside down. Mm. And I'll tell you, there are so many remarkable stories of what our members have done. I wish I could tell a story about every member. Of course, you know, I can't do that. (laughs) But these are stories of service and triumph. I mean, and the irony is that so often the work is behind the scenes, right? Because each association serves a very specific constituency and the public is not necessarily aware of that. The public certainly derives the benefit of it. So whether we're talking about the construction trades, the business, the healthcare, the municipalities, education, right? I mean, it's, it's astounding some of the impact that associations have had. So I think about like the healthcare association of mm-hmm. Michigan. So they represent nursing homes and rehabilitation facilities. So Vic, I want you to take a minute and imagine what they were going through during oh, COVID, right? Oh my. Yeah. So Melissa Samuel and her leadership team there work seven days a week during the thick of the pandemic to make sure that HCAM members had the most current information and guidance because there were so many moving parts oh, yeah. that they had to manage. Yeah, I mean, the rules were changing powerful. all the time. You're exactly right. Yeah, you're, wow. You're right. And just unpacking those rules and interpreting them was more than a full time job. So, mm. you know, to, to contrast that, I, you know, use an example of, um, you know, keeping Michigan moving. So, you know, John Walsh and his team at Michigan Manufacturers Association, you know, they really worked to make sure that manufacturing could continue. Remember, there was this little part at the beginning where there was no manufacturing, and then they quickly got it reopened. And part of that was not just the safety guidelines and getting that information out to their members, but it was also helping those members retrofit facilities so that they could produce some of those emergency items that were needed during the pandemic. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And Obviously, as a public, we're terrifically grateful to those manufacturers for being able to do that. But behind the scenes, there's a great association and a great team of association leaders that are making that happen. Wow. Here's, a, here's, a, here's another kind of interesting example. So, you know, my career, I spent a lot of time in the education associations. And um, I, could, I could talk about each of them. But again, I'll give one example of so Tina Kerr and her team at the Michigan Association of Superintendents and Administrators. If you think about what was going on when the pandemic, you know, when that first order came through 
in March of last year, right? From the very get-go, they were working nonstop to make sure that schools had the latest guidance about student health, about student safety, about virtual instruction, right? Suddenly we're trying to help our teachers navigate how they're going to do virtual instruction and not in-person instruction. Mm -hmm. But also, no less important, more important than that probably, is that they were also helping their members figure out how to resolve food scarcity issues and support issues for those at-risk students mm. who wouldn't get the supports that they normally would get when they went to school in person. So, you know, just a couple examples of just really, really remarkable work. And the heroes are certainly their members that were able to implement and make the magic happen. But again, those association leaders and teams behind the scenes that were able to put it together and pull people together so that they could navigate what was absolutely positively unprecedented, right? None of us had uh, in the U.S. Right. had faced, yeah, yeah, well, Donna, really that's, fascinating. That's really fascinating. And when you think about where those associations were, which are ultimately your members, so if I was to join, I know you have an individual membership, but but I, I typically, if I join, my, my organization joins your society. And, and I think what's interesting for those organizations is that caught in the middle is they're looking up to you going, what kind of resources and help can you help us with? And then, of course, underneath them are all of, in this case, whether it's schools or whether it's uh, end uh, users that they're serving, all of those people are, are basically looking. And in your, you're in the midst of these kind of crises. Man, you've got to have some answers and got to have some action and, and do some things and, and maybe even think outside the box. And I just love when I think about the society um, of uh, association executives, part of what I think the value is is to say is to say to each other uh, and have a way or a conduit where you can actually think outside the box, where you can get together and say, "How are you handling this?" Because those problems are not all that unique. Um, uh, when it comes to getting volunteers to be active, when it comes to funding dis- issues, and it comes to uh, member retention, all those other things, those are those are elements that every association tends to be tends to find uh, some common some common challenges with. So when you set your course, how is it that you don't become reactionary? Because last several months you've had to be. How do you get more proactive and not just be a responder? Sure, that's a great question. With the two days before the shutdown order in March of last year, our board of directors had gotten together and finalized our strategic plan for 20 and 21. And it was very fortunate, I think, of the timing because the focus of that plan was really about de-emphasizing the notion that MSAE is the know-all be-all, right? And really Mm -hmm. emphasizing that MSAE what really is remarkable about us is our members. And so the extent to which we can create opportunities for connection and collaboration among those members is really what is going to have the greatest impact. So you think about the association more as a forum or a container yeah. where right, those kinds of exchanges of ideas um, and that kind of dialogue can take place. And of course, part of that is knowledge sharing and thought leadership and personal growth and all those things are in there. But So that shift, I think, really um, allowed us to step into the crisis with that lens. And so, you know, there's no ego in it, right? You're going to get out of the way and you're (laughs) going to serve in the the purest way. And so just by staying connected to the membership and really listening to what their pain points were. And also, honestly, we have the good fortune of being connected to sort of my equivalent in every state 
in the country. Oh, great point. And, so you can lean on yeah. each other. Yeah. And, well, and we're sort of seeing what they're hearing as well. So that was very, I think, fortuitous. You for us bet. Well, we're leaning on you today, Donna. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Bershero. We'll be right back. Most of us aren't looking around for accidents waiting to happen. That would be sort of odd. But when you have Accident Fund Workers' Compensation Insurance, that's exactly what they are doing. Accident Fund employees are the WorkSafe people. They take your safety very seriously because that's all they do. Workers' Compensation Insurance. That's why they're rated A-excellent by AM-Best. Go to AccidentFund.com slash WorkSafe and get the WorkSafe people. Accident Fund is a wholly owned subsidiary of Accident Fund Holdings Incorporated, the 10th largest workers' compensation insurer in the United States. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero and your humble host here on the Leadership Lowdown. I have with us today Donna Oser. She is the president and CEO of Michigan Society of Association Executives. Man, I knew this would be good, Donna. We tracked you down and drug you onto this show. And frankly, I am not disappointed at all. You've given us some great things to think about. And some of the challenges that we talk about, especially as we kind of come out of the whole pandemic concept and onto other things to try to figure out out the new norm. One of the things that I've always been interested in is member-driven organizations and having member involvement. And so that's something in my former life, I spent 12 years working with an association, working to try to get volunteers involved and helping in their leadership roles. And one of the things that I noticed is that we always used to talk about, if you really want to get member involvement, grab a hold of an issue, especially if you're an issues kind of organization. If there's an issue that gets people fired up, they'll get involved, they'll get engaged and they'll be there to help support the organization in that effort. But as you think about associations and some of their challenges, whether it's member involvement or how they move forward, what are you seeing in your from your perch? Because you get the benefit of seeing the entire state and what's going on. Right. Well, I think I think it's twofold. So, and I'm going to build on something that you said, Vic. So, right, associations very much want to be member driven. You know, that's the heartbeat, if you will, of associations. And so. Certainly the fatigue that has come with so many folks with COVID has impacted people's, you know, accessibility and availability to serve in volunteer capacity. And that could be for a lot of reasons. It might be fatigue. It might be concerns about health, right? There's, there's all kinds of different possibilities. But so that's certainly something that associations are thinking about. Associations utilize volunteers in so many different ways, whether it's sharing expertise, you know, a board, working on the board, recruiting members. I mean, the, the different ways volunteers are used in associations is as broad as you can possibly imagine. And so, you know, there is certainly concern right now about perhaps waning interest and in how to revitalize some of that. Um, what we know, what the research tells us, there's been some really great research done by the American Society of Association Executives on what we call mutually beneficial volunteerism, Vic. Mm-hmm. And what we know is that if if you were a volunteer for MSAE and you helped a fellow member in that capacity, two things would happen as a result of that. You will, actually three things. You would be more likely to continue to be a part of the association because of the feelings you got from being able to help. Mm-hmm. You were, if you were in a professional society uh, like MSAE, you would report higher job satisfaction rates because of the impact that you were able to have with a colleague. And the third thing is that that colleague is also 
um, likely to continue their relationship with the association because of the impact that you had in that interaction. Wow. So I'm going to go back to what we said earlier, right, which is associations are about people yeah. first. So the extent to which we can, you know, create those opportunities for people to elevate each other, share ideas, help each other out, that's going to make a big difference. Um, the other side of that equation, though, just when we think about capacity and being able, you know, um, the ASAE's latest research says that there's, when we think about sort of C4 and C6 associations, there's a lot of um, C3s as well. So those are different nonprofit classifications. But so the number of those in Michigan is somewhere between 1,700 and 4,000, depending on the size of their budget. So you think that they're going to have um, not only a great need for volunteers, but they're also going to have a tremendous need in many cases for staff, right, for talent. And so that's a concern as well, because not only are they looking for talent, but the constituencies they serve are also hungry for staff and talent right now. Yeah. Um, this is particularly concerning because the conversation about attracting and retaining talent in the last six to 12 months has gone from being highly competitive to being called a war. Mm. Right. And so, yeah, that, those are two different terminologies, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It, 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 it catches your breath, right? It kind of sets you back a little on your heels. And so, you know, for associations looking to position themselves and help their members in that, you know, one thing, you know, there's some additional information that we know, right? I mean, we absolutely know that during this time, people have reevaluated what they value and how they want to spend their time. So for any association, right, any nonprofit, that means that part of the ask, whether we're talking about volunteers or we're talking about recruiting new talent and keeping our existing talent, is connecting them to our mission. Mm. Because people care about purpose. Yep. And so we should certainly lead with that. It's an important asset. Um, secondary to that is really, you know, I think this is going to create a tremendous amount of pressure on all industries when it comes to compensation and benefits. Oh, sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and that when I say benefits, I'm including work format, right? So, um, <laughs> right. So this great pressure of folks who now have said, hey, I can work from home. I would like to continue to work from home. You know, that has long-standing consequences, not just for individuals and how they form community and culture, but also for organizations in those same areas um, and how they, you know, kind of assess productivity, those kinds of things. So I think um, we certainly come out of a time in the last 18 months that was like no other, but we're certainly stepping into a time. It's a different chapter yeah, that exactly. we're stepping into, well, but there's a lot of things that we're going to be challenges that we're going to need to take on collectively. So I, I'm just old enough to remember that old uh, commercial that General Motors had that says, this is not your, your, uh, your father's <laughs> Oldsmobile, right? Uh, so at any rate, uh, that's the big thing is as associations that have been around, some of them for a hundred years, um, all of a sudden find themselves in a new uh, era and a new time. And it's, and it's, uh, it's something and it's a challenge for those organizations and thank goodness they have an organization like the Michigan Society of Association Executives to help them figure out that path that glide path so and Donna we're so glad you joined us today so glad that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network this is the Leadership Lowdown I'm Vic Bershero we'll be right back Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Michigan.
Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Leadership Lowdown. Vic Vershaw, your humble host here with the amazing Donna Oser. She is president and CEO of Michigan Society of Association Executives. Donna, I've got a page full of notes here. I'm just having a great time learning from you and hearing what you have to say. And as you do this and start talking about some of these discussions, one of the things you said in our last segment was that people care about purpose. And I love that because I'm a big person in terms of I get involved and stuff and causes that I believe in. And so when you talk about purpose, it's one of those things that kind of made my head snap around. And I'm wondering, as an association leader, as uh, anybody leading um, a team, um, tell me, have you found some unique ways that uh, the purpose can be communicated and can be developed amongst the team so that they all get it, or at least they feel like they're marching on the same page? Any, Any thoughts come to mind on that? Sure. So, you know, we think about that earlier conversation that we had about how often it is that shared purpose that even caused an association to be formed. Mm. And so sometimes it's a sort of a hearkening back to that original purpose, you know, why why an association formed that is going to revitalize it or bring it new life. So I'll, I'll give you an example. So during this you know, crisis that we've been riding through here, we think about an association like the Small Business Association of Michigan. So, you know, that's, an, that's a successful association in its right, its own right, you know, large entity, lots of members. But during COVID, they shifted to literally um, streaming live every day for more than 100 days wow. uh, straight in order to make sure that small business owners had the information that they needed in order to continue business. And it was about how to unpack all those executive orders, you know, what are the implications of the latest one. But if you were a small business owner in Alpena, Michigan, or, you know, um, in Watersmeet, imagine how having that resource, what a difference it made for you, because how else would you have the time and have been able to get to that information and unpack it as quickly? So that also caused kind of a resurgence of interest in, why the association existed. And mm-hmm. when I last talked with, um, right, with uh, leadership over there, um, I certainly heard that they were enjoying a, an uptick in numbers based on that and lots of interest. The same is certainly true. You know, I'll kind of contrast that with the Michigan Chamber. You know, Michigan Chamber is a large entity, again, very successful, but there were huge issues that they were dealing with from a government relations perspective in this, right, from an advocacy perspective mm-hmm. and also from a um, how some of those rules were being interpreted into regulation. And so their work on that, um, really, uh, you know, tough work on that, I will say, um, made a difference for them, I think, in membership as well, because people definitely saw the value. Now, understand, and that's not just deriving benefit from it, but it also means that some of those members, uh, didn't matter which organization we're talking about, um, I mean, I could use Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association as well, where, you know, is some of these limitations that were put out about COVID were affecting hospitality so significantly. These folks can reach out directly to the people who are affected and say, can you come and testify? You know, can you make this situation real for the legislature so they understand the impact and the unintended consequences that this is having? Sure. And, and so the association as a conduit of the democracy, right, I think is an amazing thing. Um, because sometimes without the support and encouragement of the association, individual business owners or individuals in a given profession might not have the confidence 
to take on the the legislative system or the regulatory system otherwise, right? Because that can be very intimidating. Um, so I think that is an amazing aspect of purpose when we draw people back into it. To, to contrast that, right, a little bit, um, I will say, you know, certainly when we think about supporting folks um, and think about, you know, one of our members serves nurse practitioners and they have really focused on making sure that there were um, social supports put in place and emotional supports put in place because, you know, whether you're talking about emergency personnel, the same thing, you know, the crisis itself took such a toll that the associations felt like they needed, you know, uh, assistance with mental health issues and trauma issues that they were having so that they could continue in their roles and serving society, right, in those very essential positions. So those are examples of, you know, kind of the broad spectrum of services that associations can perform, but also the purpose that draws people and engages them in it. So like in the case of that support system I was just mentioning, they set up peer-to-peer support Mm -hmm. and actually trained those folks in how to support one another um, via an online community so that they wouldn't feel like they were all alone and they had somebody who would really understand what they were going through that they could talk to. Because, you know, some of these positions can be incredibly isolating. You know, your family doesn't necessarily understand. You don't want to take it home to them. So having a colleague who is your equal um, in in position can make a big difference in um, understanding and helping to lift you up. So I think those are really good examples. Now, the flip side of this is on the talent side, Vic, right? So most people, you know, when you're preparing for your career, you never heard of associations. You kind of stumble into it on accident. And I would say that I hope that changes. I hope that MSAE can be a force in changing that because it is not only a, a good and remarkable career, but it's a meaningful career. So I certainly during this time have had people call and say, I've really reevaluated what's important to me and I'm interested in working in the following area. So for mm. example, we were doing a search for Michigan Head Start Association was um, hiring someone to run their professional development programming and so many people were calling just because they were so invested in the work of Head Start and the good work that Head Start does um, for, you know, Michigan's underprivileged population. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's a really good example of people being called to purpose. They could be called in a regular full staff kind of way or they could be called in a volunteer way. Well, and and I, I think associations, yeah, provide an important way to do that. Absolutely. And the MSAE is doing a great job and you're doing a great job leading that organization and you're doing a great job of filling my page full of all kinds of notes here on the Michigan Business Network. We got the leadership lowdown right here, and we're going to go pay some bills and come right back. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero, and of course, Donna Oser has been president and CEO of Michigan Society of Association Executives, and she is just filling us with all kinds of knowledge and tremendous information. And Donna, I, I, I guess I got to call a timeout right here and just say, how did you get to where you're at? Because uh, what you have uh, shared today is some in- incredible insight um, beyond your years, frankly. And I have to uh, think that 
that um, there's been some people that have poured into you. Any any um, mentors or people that you want to call out? Because uh, I, I'm really impressed with who you are and what you have to offer. Uh, there had to be some people helping you along the way, to just like all of us. Yeah. Thanks, Vic. I appreciate you saying that. You know, I, like so many people, I said, you know, you stumble into a career in association management, and that was a long time ago for me, but I'll be the first person to say <laughs> I really didn't know which end was up. I yeah. <laughs> was 28 years old when I first became an executive director, sort of by accident. That mm. happens sometimes in nonprofits. And I really could not have done it without the support of some really remarkable association greats. Um, you know, and ironic, you know, there's so much conversation right now about kind of women in the workforce. So I was a 28-year-old single mom and happened to have stepped into um, an industry where many of the associations were led by, it happened to be older men. And so um, Tom White was Michigan School Business Officials, who has since retired. You know, Jim Ballard at the Michigan Society, excuse me, Michigan Association of Secondary School Principals, who has also since retired. I mean, they really took me under their mm-hmm. wing. I would also say Justin King, who retired from the Michigan Association of School Boards, So these were gentlemen who had long and successful careers in association management who who were kind enough to put up with me because I I certainly was a pain. I have no doubt about that. (laughs) Um, I was full of passion and not not a lot of knowledge. But they also were they cared about me enough to tell me when, you know, I was operating outside of the kind of expected norms and what the consequences might be. And so I think that's a really important role for for mentors and sponsors to play. And I would also say, you know, that was more than two decades ago, and I still have a relationship with all of those individuals. Oh, isn't that cool? It is. I mean, associations are are really, truly about about people. And so because they elevated me, because I had the advantage of standing on the shoulders of who I would say are really giants. I mean, Jim is actually a, a MSAE Hall of Famer. <laughs> um, you know, I was able to have a successful career. I, I love associations. I love the mission, the passion, the impact that they have, and also that no day is like the other one, right? There's so much variety in the the work that we do, and it would not have been possible without people like that helping me along the way. And so when I see that opportunity as an association executive myself, I certainly try to to pay it backward, right? To to help the next generation of, of leaders uh, where I can and when they ask. And we get a lot of phone calls like that at MSAE. That's certainly a, a significant part of my job. Yeah, I, I like to think of those people as seekers, you know, and that's a lot of our listening audience are, are seekers that are looking for some uh, maybe, I don't want to call them shortcuts because that almost diminishes the value. But when we talk about direct lines to how do I get to the next step? How do I make a difference? You know, it all it all seems to uh go with why do you reinvent the wheel when you have a chance and of course one of the things Don and I talk about on this show a lot is the concept of personal board of directors and what I mean by that is that uh, every one of us needs to have an advisory team around us that are willing and, and care enough about us to pour into us and we can ask questions to so we don't make it a formal will you be on my board of directors but we do have people that, that when I'm making big life decisions I want to get them on the phone or have breakfast with them and say hey I just want want to run something by and get your thoughts on it those are are powerful things and it's the way that that your association brings people together is it allows other peers in other
other organizations to run some of those kind of uh, um, uh, issues and topics amongst each other to get to a better and higher ground. So Donna, before we run out of time here, I want to ask you, how do people get in touch with you or your organization in some of the things that you provide uh, an opportunity on? Sure. Let me make a great connection of kind of the physical manifestation of what you're talking about with that personal board of directors. So normally our annual conference, you know, historically years ago, it was in July and we went a year without an annual conference this year. It's in August. And so right now, because it's July in my Facebook feed are all of these association (laughs) and hospitality professionals who are posting the memories of when they got together at our event previously, because they have formed those kinds of relationships that you're talking about, right? Where, before you make a major life career decision, you're going to sit down and talk with this person and say, hey, what do you, how do you think this might be a good thing for me? How do you think it might be a bad thing? Those kinds of things. So it's just, I would say that that's sort of a the physical manifestation of exactly what you're talking about. Right, so right. Uh, people can find us at msae.org. That's been our URL, our website home for a long time. We, we launched a new website during COVID. Very oh. proud of it, an <laughs> online community. Yeah. So... I'm happy to have people um, tap into it. you find lots of resources there and our contact information. So they should not hesitate to contact us if they have a question or they're looking for resources. I'll bet you I spend, we spend about um, a third of our time just connecting people to other people and to resources that they may be mm. seeking. So we think that's an, an important um, function. Uh, and then I would just, you know, while you're on the website, if you have the time, take a minute and look up our annual conference. It's um, scheduled August 23rd through 25th. It will be at the beautiful Ann Arbor Marriott Ypsilanti at Eagle Crest. And um, very exciting for us because this is the first large in-person meeting in a very yeah. long time. Won't that in-person be exciting? <laughs> Lots are of very important to associate. Get everybody That's back right. together. I just love it. Well, Donna, I, I humbly want to say thank you to you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having us and for your persistence tolerating a very busy schedule, Vic. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're the best and so worth the wait, honestly. Congratulations on being a fantastic leader for the Michigan Society of Association Executives. Donna Oser is president and CEO. She's made our day. I hope she's made your day. And I want to make sure that uh, you come on back to Leadership Lowdown next time here on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks so much for tuning in.